Welcome back, you political people, to Democracy Light. In this episode, we are going to flip to the back of our atlases and look at a map of the whole world. Assuming, of course, that you have your atlases ready to go in front of you and that world maps are actually in the back of an atlas. That's right, people. We're going global. In a lot of our previous episodes, we have been primarily focused on the specific inner workings of the U.S., but it's good to remember that the U.S. is just one of many countries in this great big world. In this episode, we are going to be looking outward a little bit at some ways that the United States is involved in and has relationships to other countries. I think a good way to start this topic is to look at a somewhat current news story that has to do with U.S.-Saudi Arabia relations. I don't know if you've heard about the death of Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi, but wow, it's incredible, movie-worthy drama, and not because it has a happy ending. For those of you who don't know the details, we'll give you a quick background. Jamal Khashoggi was a prominent journalist who was at one point close to the Saudi royal family. After many years of being a Saudi reporter, he fell out of favor and self-exiled himself to the United States, where he wrote a column for the Washington Post, criticizing the policies of the crown prince in Saudi Arabia. In early October, he entered a Saudi consulate in Istanbul in order to get documents proving his divorce in order to marry his fiancée, but he never came back out. When pressed, the Saudi government claimed that he walked out on his own and denied allegations that they had anything to do with his disappearance. Turkish officials weren't so sure and investigated further, later saying that they have evidence that it was a premeditated torture and murder by Saudi agents. A few weeks later, the Saudi government acknowledged Khashoggi's death but claimed it happened in a fight in the consulate. But with all the evidence presented by the Turkish officials, it pretty much looks like a bad attempt at a cover-up by the Saudi Arabian government. This story creates an interesting situation for the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. The U.S. considers Saudi Arabia a strategic ally and partner, but Trump has been non-committal on whether Saudi Arabia should remain our ally, as well as if there should be any sort of sanctions against them. And honestly, it makes sense that Trump would be hesitant. The U.S. supplies a lot of weapons to Saudi Arabia, and Trump claims that cutting off the supply would be detrimental to the U.S. economy. Not to mention, Saudi Arabia holds the largest supply of crude oil reserves in the world, and the relationship between these two countries surrounding oil has always been rocky. Additionally, the U.S. has backed Saudi Arabia in a conflict against rebels in Yemen. Basically, the U.S. has a lot of ties to Saudi Arabia. While Trump has been demanding that the truth come out about the incident, he has been slow in deciding punishment and he has not been quick to doubt the stories told by the Saudis. One side of the argument that aligns with Trump's views, or at least aligns with supporting the decision not to take any actions against the Saudis, is that the stability of our relationship to them is more important than punishing them. The other side says that our current relationship to Saudi Arabia cannot continue as it currently has because it would be immoral to turn a blind eye to murder, especially since the victim was someone who had been living in the United States and writing for the Washington Post. No matter what you think should happen, you can see how tensions are high and consequences could be huge either way. Well, if Trump isn't doing anything, can Congress? There is this thing called the 2016 Global Magnuson Act that contains a provision where Congress can ask the president to investigate possible human rights violations, and he has to report back to them in 120 days. But there is concern that this is an overreach of executive authority. So another avenue Congress can take is to attempt to block arms sales to Saudi Arabia. But as we mentioned earlier, Trump believes this could create economic problems. So it is possible that he would veto any legislation attempting to do this. Congress can also add riders to bills that prevent spending support to Saudi Arabia in their conflict in Yemen. Or Congress could hold hearings that would highlight the issue and force some answers from people like Mike Pompeo about policy towards Saudi Arabia. Basically, there's a lot Congress could attempt to do that would end up changing the relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia. And this is just one situation, and Saudi Arabia is just one country. The U.S. obviously has ties to way more countries through things like treaties, involvement in international organizations, 
border relations, trade, alliances, political rhetoric, etc. A few countries that are often talked about in the current political discourse are Russia, China, North Korea, and much of the Middle East, like Saudi Arabia, Turkey, and Iran. The United States' relationship with these countries are often discussed in terms of their potential instability. For example, we heard a lot from Trump before the 2016 election about a U.S. trade deficit with China. At one point, Trump brought up trade with China while answering a question about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which was a proposed trade agreement between 12 countries, none of which were China. The TPP is actually an example of a trade agreement that is not ratified by the United States. We will talk about some more examples of this in just a bit. Agreements between countries can be pretty important, and there are different ways that these treaties and agreements can come about. For example, NAFTA, WTO agreements, and bilateral free trade agreements are considered congressional executive agreements, meaning that they were approved by a majority in the House and Senate. This is opposed to approval by a two-thirds majority in the Senate, which is how treaties are approved. This gives Congress some leeway for approving things that might not make it through two-thirds of the Senate. There is quite a long list of treaties that the United States has signed and ratified that I found just by looking on Wikipedia, so take a gander there if you feel so inclined. The U.S. is also part of a lot of international organizations that often have treaties and agreements between their members. A few of them that you might recognize are the World Trade Organization, NATO, the UN, the World Health Organization. These are super important organizations because they deal with things like the rules of trade between countries, peacekeeping and security, and international public health. I mentioned the Trans-Pacific Partnership earlier and that the United States did not ratify it. Something that is important to consider about treaties is that there are a lot of them out there that the U.S. has not ratified. Some of these include the treaty to form the International Criminal Court, which investigates crimes against humanity and war crimes, the Kyoto Protocol, which has to do with cutting greenhouse gas emissions, and the treaty to join the League of Nations after World War I. Personally, I think the United States probably should have ratified a few things it didn't, but, you know, politics is messy. What can you do? Quick plug for voting. That is something you can do. Even though Election Day is over for the 2018 midterms, this doesn't mean that you should stop caring about voting. You can still register at any time. Anyways, just remember that the U.S. relations to other countries are intricate and delicate. Obviously, the world is a big place and is difficult in such a short segment like this to go into much detail, but it is important to remember that the U.S. is not alone in the world, and that a lot of international policies we make have effects on countries all over the world. Obviously, the world is a big place, and it is difficult in a short segment like this to go into much detail, but it is important to remember that the U.S. is not alone in the world, and that a lot of the internal policies we make have effects on countries all over the world. Any number of events can occur that can disrupt these ties. Just think, the murder of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, paired with just the right set of circumstances, was the catalyst that started World War I. We could definitely make a whole separate series about the specifics of relationships between the U.S. and other countries, but really, the point of this segment is to gain some perspective. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Democracy Light, and see you next week.